Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The first scripture reading this morning is from Luke, the fourth chapter, verses 14 through 21. It can be found in the Sanctuary Bible on page 61 of the New Testament. Listen now for God's living word. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes. Open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. Amen. Now, in the month of January, I'm preaching a series that I've called Illuminating Life. Now, each week I'm approaching the scripture with an epiphany frame of mind, epiphany having happened as the first Sunday in the month. And as we read the scriptures, we are seeking to understand who Jesus is and then turning toward our own lives, understanding who we are because of who we understand Jesus to be. What is it that we as the church, as people of faith, become because of Jesus. Now, on Epiphany, we consider the gifts that God gives each person, and we return those gifts to God through our lives. We faithfully return our gifts to God by sharing those gifts faithfully in the world. On Baptism of the Lord's Sunday, we considered identity, God's identity and our identity, that in Jesus' own baptism, God claimed him as God's beloved, a promise that Jesus then turned and gave to the world abundantly, that we, you and I, also are given the identity 
as God's beloved. On Martin Luther King Jr. Remembrance Sunday, last Sunday, we challenged ourselves by considering how we participate in God's signs in the world, that we, by walking with one another toward wholeness, might grow to look together more and more like God's beloved community. Today is a little different than the other Sundays. Today I'm thinking more about us as a church, as a whole community. Now I know a few colleagues who preach a sermon like the one I intend to each year. One colleague calls it Vision Sunday, a look at what God is doing in the church in a particular year. Another calls it the view from here, as in the view from the pulpit, the pastor's seat, a pastoral look at the year that has gone and the year to come. I know one pastor who calls it the state of the church address, because he usually does it around that time of the year, but in light of the past week, I'm pretty reluctant to go that road, though it would be amusing if you stood and clapped when you found something that resonated Perhaps we could just go for the occasional amen. Today is also our annual meeting, which is a time when we think about where we have been so that we can have a sense of where God is leading us. So we can have a sense of where we're going. And so I want to think about who Jesus is for us as a church because of who Jesus is as the Messiah, the Christ. Our scripture this morning is a story of Jesus on the threshold of his ministry. The scripture shows him taking his first step into public ministry. Now, as a rabbi, a teacher, Jesus begins his teaching in this story. And as a Messiah, the Messiah... He begins the path that changes the world forever. In the scripture text this morning, Jesus is in Nazareth on the Sabbath, and he goes to the synagogue as is his custom. And as a rabbi, a teacher, he goes to the scrolls. The church today would say that he's reading from the Old Testament or the Hebrew Testament, but Jesus receives the scroll of Isaiah, and begins to open it and turns the scrolls until he finds a particular passage and he finds what he is looking for and reads this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. God has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Having completed this reading, Jesus then rolls up the scroll, hands it back to the attendant to return it to his case, and Jesus sits down. And I have no doubt there was a silence that followed. The scripture says, in place where that silence would be, that all eyes on the syn- in the synagogue were looking at him. 
It was a stunned silence in the synagogue. Now today, colloquial, we would have said that Jesus dropped the mic. Then Jesus breaks this heavy silence with even more pregnant words. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What Jesus has done in the presence of those gathered in Nazareth at the synagogue is that Jesus has presented his mission. Jesus has put his purpose out into the world, his reason to live, and looking ahead in the life of Jesus, his reason to die and to rise to new life. Good news to the poor, release to the captives, sight to the blind, freedom to the oppressed, and to announce the year of the Lord's favor. This is God's mission through Jesus. The last line really brings it home. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. It is fulfilled in you and in I in hearing the scripture. It is fulfilled in the church and the ways that the church participates and works toward the realization of God's mission. And if we understand that the word of God dwells in us and among us, as gospel writers say, if we believe that Jesus is Emmanuel, that is God with us, then fulfilled in our hearing means that the work of Jesus continues with the church. Jesus came to fulfill the promise, not just by fixing the world, but Jesus came to fulfill the promise by transforming human lives and human communities, human relationships with God and with one another. And Jesus is the embodiment of God's mission. The followers of Jesus then participate and embody that mission out into the world. The church is the faith community that nurtures followers of Christ. So if we understand who Jesus is for us, in a sense, we can understand who we are as the church. And that we, as the church, are called to participate in such transformations as good news and release and freedom and vision. Now, the first Sunday of this month, this January, was my first anniversary as this church's pastor, as your pastor. It's been a terrific and interesting year, and I've had the great privilege of getting to know so many of you well, and am still getting to know many of you more deeply And I've had the joy of learning what this faith community is about, what is at the heart of our identity of who we are as a church, the ways that we seek to faithfully follow Christ in our shared ministry. So I want to share some of the ways that I've seen this church alive in the last year, some of the ways that the scriptures have been fulfilled in the church's hearing. 
as well as in some of your actions and in your compassion, in your desire to walk with neighbors and with one another. Now, this is the moment when a pastor in a sermon would point out particular ministries that Tutoring Tree has served Detroit students for decades and that the church has a deep longing for food security in the neighborhood that has yielded or partnered with six distinct food ministries or perhaps a music and jazz series that remains free when other churches charge for tickets or individuals who work to increase adult literacy, or Presbyterian women who raise awareness around human trafficking, or church members who advocate for equal rights for all people. We could get very specific, but what I want to observe are not the ministries per se. Doing that, we could go back through this church's 165 years of mission and ministry and catalog so many ways that it has served the city. We could name the Italian school before World War I or the Pastors' Aid Society or the millinery classes or Presbyterian women who made clothes around the time of World War I for people who did not have them. Instead... I want to observe the character that I've seen as this church has faithfully supported and turned with God's love to our neighborhood and to one another. When people who don't know this church ask me about you, I love to describe the enthusiasm and the ministries that you all make possible. There is something deeper about the faith that makes the work of this church possible. And when I look out at the church and its mission over the past year, I have witnessed three extraordinary qualities that make such a large mission possible in a church like you all. I have witnessed compassion, hospitality, and openness. Now these qualities are vital to the faithful practice of being the church. And historic churches like ours have gifts and challenges, and the challenges are notable at times. They're notable because churches like this one renew themselves every generation. I remember hearing an executive from American Express give a talk. His subject was about strategic planning for organizations, and I remember him explaining that his company was continually looking forward, that they are invested in the company that they are becoming, as they are more so than the company that they currently are. And he explained that Amex had had to work to reinvent itself every 20 years And he made the point that when Amex was founded in 1850, credit cards were still about a century away from their invention, and that the company was actually founded as an express mail business. But it points to the fact that again and again, in every generation, Jefferson Avenue has renewed its participation in God's mission. 
If you study our faith community's history, if you go back to some of the yearbooks, we actually had yearbooks, you would see it. When the scriptures communicate Christ's mission, it has been fulfilled in the church listening and responding with its faith in action. And I see this happening again right now. I have seen this over the past year Ways that the church responds to one another with compassion. And you see this compassion when you stand in the doorway of Dodge Hall watching our tutors work with students on Tuesdays. The way they interact, begin to know one another. I've seen the church respond with hospitality toward the wider community to those who enter our doors who might be strangers. Responding with an openness and a trust that God is doing something among each one of us and doing something among us together that we might not fully know what God is up to yet. But you can see that something is going on. And I'm grateful for the many, many church members, the people who have said something to the effect of, I'm willing to try something different, something new, something we haven't explored yet. The character of this church has been steadfast, though. Fidelity and faithfulness to God's mission among us for generations. For generations compassion, and hospitality toward a diverse people. What has changed, though, is the way that this church has lived that faith in every generation based on the needs of our own community and the wider community around us. Detroit doesn't need as many English classes for Italians as it did in 1908. But our students do need support with their homework. And food security is a big issue. What has changed is, what has not changed, though, is that the church has quietly, humbly, generously participated in what God is doing, sometimes even too much so. I wish you would brag a little bit more. But after one year of walking alongside all of you, my gratitude is to God who made this church and made it for the gift that people might live their faith together, learning how to do so more and more with each passing year. That we, in doing this together, might grow more and more into the church that God is always calling us to be. As we say, we are a church serving Christ in the heart of Detroit, after all. The theologian Emil Bruner wrote that the church exists for mission as a fire exists for burning. I've witnessed this mission, this fire, I've witnessed what is essential to all of you as a church. I've enjoyed the gift of living it with you. 
I look forward to another year of tending this fire, this mission, the light of Christ among us, and the work to share this light with all whom we meet. So let us listen for Christ's mission taking shape among us that we might respond with an even deeper compassion and hospitality and openness that is so characteristic to who we are. May we respond so much with these extraordinary gifts that God has given us that we might be such a church. And may we do so ever giving thanks to God who made it so. Amen.